And welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I have the great pleasure today of hosting Mr. Joel Weber, who it turns out is my next door neighbor, and I didn't know it. He is a farmer and he is also the owner of Fresh Forage, which creates a regular supply of microgreens, which I find absolutely delicious. They are highly nutritious, and boy, do they make a lot of sense in a world that uh, has put us under a lot of unknowns and uncertainties at the moment. So welcome, Joel. It's such a pleasure to have you. Can you take Hi. a few minutes? Hi. Can you take a few minutes and just let our audience know about yourself? Sure thing, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Joel, and uh, I'm the owner of Fresh Forage. Uh, I've had a long journey to get to this point, and I've done a lot of different things in my life. And uh, I found that uh, growing indoors was definitely something of a passion for myself that I wanted to uh, create and to take to the next level and to help others in their journeys with being able to supply fresh greens to them when they don't have necessarily the same talents as I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's beautiful. To me, farmers are way high on the list of heroes these days. And that, that's even before things got weird out there. Because it's one of those professions that you've, you've told me a little bit about your personal experience. I'd love to hear about the challenges, but what was it in the first place that inspired you to get into this, to have okay. this life as a farmer? Well, thank you so much for calling me a hero. Um, and mm -hmm. Like you said, it's an unsung kind of profession that is a lifestyle and not a nine to five job. Um, yes. I grew up. I grew up on a farm with my parents uh, outside of Brandon, and uh, we supplied uh, hay and straw to various farmers in the area that were growing sheep and cattle and horses. And that really kind of got me introduced into the farming lifestyle, um, working long hours. My dad taught me how to work on equipment, and I had that natural curiosity of uh, doing stuff. And he instilled in me a really strong work ethic that I still hold dear to my heart uh, to this day. And uh, from there, I, I went off to university, uh, did a little bit there, but then came back and I got a job in a local engineering, consulting engineering firm, did that for a couple of years, but, you know, and I was really good at it. I was able to work within multiple professions. I quickly rose up through the ranks and uh, I'm responsible for many large-scale projects within Western Manitoba and uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta. Um, mm -hmm. but I found that I was just, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, I was selling essentially high price paper and you would come up with these dreams, but you'd never really necessarily get to see them to fruition. Mm -hmm. And so I found that my body and my soul were both telling me that I needed to leave that consulting, um, gig, although it was very profitable and at a young age, I was doing very well. I decided to get back into farming which is something that a lot of people advise me not to do. 
Uh, <laughs> but I thought to myself, you know, my parents did it. I enjoyed it. Uh, let's go back to my roots and, and see if I can make a go of it. And uh, so I learned a lot of technical stuff through the engineering side. And then I learned a lot of practical stuff and a lot of different disciplines, trade disciplines within farming. So I managed uh, a large crew of my own and I did many, many different things. I farmed many, many acres. Uh, at one point I was upwards of 12,000 acres that I was farming. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of stress. And the whole thing with hay and straw, I was selling across Canada into the United States. And the whole thing around that industry is it's so reactive. They're always reacting to market conditions, to weather, to you know, problems that arise on the field. And you try and uh, mitigate those, those liabilities as best you can. So when I was in farming, I, I thought to myself, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. You know, like here I'm pulling my hair out and I have two weeks to bail up for straw, for example, two weeks to build all the straw for the year and that's my income. And if I miss those two weeks or something goes wrong, then I don't have a livelihood for the rest of the year. So it was incredibly stressful. Yeah. And so, and, and also because of my, my health, I have a lot of health concerns and uh, I thought it prudent to have a backup plan that uh, would allow me to mitigate those problems. So I thought to myself, you know what, it would be awesome if I grew indoors. And I initially mm -hmm. explored uh, doing barley fodder and, and wheat fodder for uh, horses. And uh, it's a great concept and it's, it's really good, solid and beneficial. But the problem was it was ahead of its time. So mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, how can I utilize my growing and my, my expertise that I've developed over the years to you know, get into an adjacent industry that's not so dependent? on say other farmers. And so I thought, well, I could always go into selling for people. So I, mm -hmm. I started then experimenting with uh, growing microgreens and other uh, herbs and stuff like that indoors. It started off with uh, growing a couple of garden trays in my bathroom where there was an exhaust fan above the toilet and there was a couple of science experiments while I experimented how to grow using various mediums and various techniques uh, that I otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to, say, outdoors. And there's a lot of different things that you do outdoors that you don't have to do indoors and vice versa. So it mm -hmm. was a nice little learning curve, but it was my way of hedging against reality. And thankfully, I did that because a number of years later, I, as we had talked previously, I was involved in an accident that prevents me from continuing on doing my commercial farming on a traditional sense outside the city. So mm -hmm. that left me with this that I had already built up as a business that I could go into and, and continue to strive, thrive and in, enjoy growing and, and the farming aspect that otherwise would be, it would have been taken away from me. Right, wow, that's great. What a, what a cool evolution, I love that. Um, so, Obviously, you're talking about the stress out there. Uh, you know, the majority of farmers are actually getting out of the business. The, the thing that is, is beautiful is I'm seeing young people like yourself take a renewed interest in it. 
how do you handle the stress of it? How do you roll with it, even though you've obviously made that shift in your life so it's less stressful than it was? How do you handle things on a day-to-day basis, carrying all your responsibilities? How, how do you, um, as, you, as you're saying, mitigate the effects of that? Yeah, like that's the, that's the biggest thing is just trying to mitigate your liabilities. And when I was operating, you know, one was uh, quite a few, like it was a couple million dollars worth of equipment. Um, you know, like it's very stressful when you got to make payments that are like semi-annual of say $100,000. You know, like that is stress, you know, stress mm-hmm. of, you know, being able to put food on the table and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, you, you know that you got to do something, but you look at the weather and you realize it, it's not going to happen, but yet you need it to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember several moments within my, my career, my life where I had no idea how I was going to get through the events and how I was going to deal with the stress. And thankfully I have my faith to fall back on and has kept me very strong during those times. And I always, um, take to heart, take it one step at a time, breathe, you know, focus on one issue when I would be out in the field and everything would go wrong, you know, uh, something would break on the equipment and I couldn't get the part and the rain was coming or whatever. Uh, My wife really helped me to, you know, calm down and, you know, breathe and remind me, Joel, do one thing at a time, focus on one issue, get it done, move on to the next. Don't focus on the whole big problem because then it's just too overwhelming. Just do it one step at a time. And that's what I did. And there are are many times when like (laughs) she can attest to some hilarities in my career where, you know, um, it was in the middle of a rainstorm and I was trying to put a tarp on a, a haystack that's 20 feet tall and here I am in, a, in the bucket of the tractor all the way up to 20 feet trying to pull this tarp over and the tarp rips while it's raining and, you know, like me screaming and, and oh. like crying at the same time. And it's just like oh. utter defeat, like mm-hmm. just defeating when you work so hard and no matter how hard you work, it just, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't able to overcome that failure or stress. And I've seen it many, many times. And, and that's the biggest thing that got me through was, you know, like, and it had me questioning my faith many times where I was just like, how can, how can God allow this to happen in my life? How can, you know, this is not fair. You know, I've had uh, a lot of bad things happen uh, that were, not fair to me or you know out of my control mm-hmm. and uh, it's always come back where when I look back on my life and during those times I can see how he walked me through when I was taking one step at a time he would guide me through those journeys when I couldn't see the path forward he led me forward and mm-hmm. I was able to navigate around pitfalls that would have been fallen me if I had 
known the path or if I had looked straight forward, I wouldn't have seen those issues that come up, right? So it's just mm. like uh, that there was an email or, or something that was going around and it was about like, why did God prevent you from going to work that day? Well, he did that because on the route that you took that day, somebody got into a bad accident um, that had you have taken that route you would have been in the hospital or you know, along those lines. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely say that that's been the case. And that has been a guiding factor in my life that I don't know. And uh, if I try to understand why things happen, it's just overwhelming and it's, and it's too, too much. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's kind of how I deal with stress is, breathe it out one step at a time and, and rely on my faith. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It, it's so interesting because I, I never go searching for guests based on their faith in God. I never go searching for them. And yet the consistency of every single King hero that I've interviewed reports this really deep faith that they walk with. So it's something I'm, I'm always so like happy to hear about. That's exactly the kind of guidance that I love people to get and uh, agree wholeheartedly that that uh, that's that's actually my goal right now is to have impeccable faith in God it's uh, it's hard to do because um, there was this picture that I remember um, where it's it's a motivational picture or something like that and it's one set of footprints and uh, the person looks up and says God where where were you and all that why weren't you walking beside me and he says well those are my footprints of me carrying you through that mm -hmm. right like i definitely for the first number of years when i got into business i i didn't fully understand what it meant to rely and to have faith and mm. it has really taught me a lot of lessons that even when you don't feel like you have faith and you have nothing left in the tank, you still have faith. That's so beautiful. I really love that. Was there ever a time in your career when things actually fell apart? When kings tend to crash, they have so much responsibility as you've been describing. A lot of weight and pressure comes down on them at the end of the day. Was there a time when things completely fell apart for you and how oh, did yeah. you get to the, yeah. How did you get to the other side of that and what happened? I was very, I have two very defining moments where I feel like I crashed and burned. Hmm. Uh, one was um, a divorce early on in my twenties and that, that was really hard. Um, where I crashed and burned um, and affected every, every part of my life. My, my ex-wife had left me. She, she had, I found out that she had cheated on me and I found it in the worst possible way. And uh, that, that broke me in, in a lot of ways. And that was the first time when I had to really rely heavily on my faith when I didn't know how I was going to get through it. I didn't know how I was going to survive. I had many, many thoughts, uh, bad, dangerous thoughts. 
Hmm. And uh, that nobody wants to, to feel. And uh, it, was, it was difficult. Uh, how I got Taylor's side was, even though I felt betrayed and I was mad at God and everyone else, I kept on going to church and I just kept on, kept on praying, kept on, on worshiping and he got me through it. Um, you know, I poured myself into work. I poured myself into friends and family mm-hmm. and I just, I did my best to get through it. And that was the very, that was the first defining moment for me. And that was while I was in, in engineering, consulting engineering. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, I decided, you know, what, I need to have a change. And that's when I got into farming um, again. Right. And then the, ne- the second defining moment when everything fell apart was um, I had been in the hanging industry and I was doing well. I was, you know, struggling, but I was getting through it. And I had secured my, uh, you know, a, a really decent contract that I thought was going to make the difference for me for the season. And, uh, you know, I had all this equipment that I had purchased uh, that I was making payments on. You know, I'd spent a couple of years building it all up. And uh, that year I had a contract go sideways on me. Uh, for a half million dollar contract in the middle of the season and uh, I had shipped over the course of one weekend $30,000 worth of product and I was relying on continued payments every week to maintain my operating budget and the customer uh, claimed that there was an issue but there was more to that it was it was more uh, uh, on his side that he found out he could get stuff cheaper elsewhere and stuff like that, or the demand that he initially hadn't told me about fell through. Um, I thought I was selling directly to him only, but he was reselling it to others. And because he was reselling, he was relying on his customers to pay him and it just all fell through. So, I was left in the middle of the season with a crew of guys, all this equipment that was worth millions of dollars. And I had $3,000 of my operating budget just evaporate in thin air. And uh, I had then also no destination for the rest of that contract. And it was at the end of the season. And it was just a disastrous situation where essentially I was looking at failure straight in the face. And I had no idea. I had no idea how I was going to get through it because, you know, it was at least two years in the courts and that was my first, first experience uh, dealing with a really negative side of business. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things, how the world really works. And uh, so I, you know, I lost everything. I, 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 didn't declare bankruptcy because my parents had invested so much. And if I had declared bankruptcy, that would have then in turn caused them to declare bankruptcy and lose their income that they had. Oh man. So not only did I have the weight of my family, my immediate family, but also my parents and those around me that were relying on me. 
So it was incredible stress, incredibly stressful. Um, mm -hmm. There were many times when I was um, questioning my faith, not knowing how or when I was going to get through it. And, uh, you know, over the course of that winter time, you know, I returned equipment. Um, I took the hit on my credit scores. I, you know, settled up. I, I um, with my fuel bill and with my repair bill, I negotiated the, the amounts down and paid them off. Um, I did whatever I could. I had to let all my guys go uh, prematurely. And, you know, I relied heavily on my parents to help me uh, get through that time and over the course mm -hmm. of the following two seasons we were able to with older equipment get back to square one um, and we were just starting to get ahead when I had my farming accident but oh no yeah and that was another point where it was just like why why did this have to happen you know mm -hmm. just like when I rebuilt myself up, you know, I, I have finished dealing with the mess from, from the two years previous and it was all looking up and then that happened and it was devastating. Not only devastating because of, I had spent so long trying to rebuild and I finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm but also that I couldn't continue doing what I loved. I love the right. smell of fresh cut grass. I love sitting in a tractor. I love baling. I love cutting. I love everything about it. Hmm. And that was taken away from me in an instant. Right, right. So that's, um, it was very difficult both times. You know, um, I had to, thankfully I had people around me that supported me. Um, I ended up talking to the farmer's helpline several times. Hmm. My um, mom's, my mom's cousin, uh, he was very helpful in, in dealing with, helping me deal with the issues um, personally. And then also that arose, arose from between myself and my parents because not only was I on the hook for all my debt, but my parents were too. Right. And, uh, you know, the saying of don't get into business with your family, you know, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's very bad. Right. And uh, then at least when you do that, you don't have any refuge. You don't have any place to go. And that's, I think, why people advise others from getting into business with family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was born and raised in a family business by the age of 10 years old, I was working for my parents and uh, I loved it because I got to make money and I had responsibility, which seemed like fun to me. And, uh, you know, I, I end up working with people that I'm, you know, maybe have a, I'm a, I've worked with a lot of close friends, often clients become close friends. So yes, there are pitfalls. Absolutely. To, you know, that when, things, you know, when I got sick with cancer, maybe, uh, I don't know if you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I had to abandon my family's business. And that was the last thing that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to actually show up for them and make a difference for them, help them through the recession of the nineties. 
and mm -hmm. then I, I became useless to them, even though in my heart of hearts, I actually didn't even want to be there at all. Mm -hmm. But I know it's extremely complicated when you've got all the heartstrings. You can't just make hard, cold decisions in that way that you might want to otherwise. Yeah. 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 Wow, you've been through so much. I'm, I'm so uh, proud of you to have come to the other side like this and, and live to tell. Thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. What makes it worth it for you to go through all of that? <laughs> uh, well, I just, you know, being able to, to provide um, for my family. Mm -hmm. um, I know that a nine to five job is not something that um, is meant for me. Uh, they, some people love it. Uh, others don't. I'm one of those ones that don't. I'm more of a lifestyle kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, and I'm very passionate about what I do. I just, I don't turn it off. And uh, being able to provide for my family is paramount. Uh, being able to have that ability and, and to think long-term. Um, I, I feel that the nine to five job, personally is a conservative way of moving ahead in life, but you don't really get ahead in life. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you become an entrepreneur or when you are involved in business, you, it affords you the ability to, to get ahead. And unfortunately you have to invest now uh, with your time, your money, your patience, the, the risk for the payoff later. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas the nine to five, you don't have that, but what you have is only what you will have. There's no ability to increase. And in a situation like we find ourselves now, where all of a sudden all these people that were very reliant on that nine to five are thrown into the, into the fire of not knowing how to react in these situations. Yeah. Um, because they've only known the conservative side of, you know, this is how you do things. This is how you always do things. Mm -hmm. And they're not exposed to the trials and tribulations that entrepreneurs and, and lifestyle business people like myself face on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's my premise as a business coach, actually, that uh, I've been saying it for years and years and years since I survived cancer that, uh, you know, we, I think we are all naturally self-employed by our purpose. And this is my next question to you that, uh, you know, if things were to fall down around us and, oh my gosh, I didn't even think I would see it in exactly my lifetime, but here we go. Then that's exactly what people are going to have to be doing is to find out the value of what it is that they are skilled at, what they know, what they can pass on. Mm -hmm. and how they can fit in with the fabric of humanity to be contributing and receiving at the same time. So do you feel like this is your God-given purpose, what you're doing right now? I feel that it's my purpose for right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I have found, as you heard, my purpose changes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I'm always striving for new opportunities for furthering myself, furthering my family. 
and and not limiting myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't shoebox myself into this is exactly what my purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. Cause it's the same thing. When I look back over the last 20 years, uh, my, I've always felt like I was deep inside my purpose and it nearly cost me my life to not be in my purpose. So I was very clear about what that was like to not mm-hmm. be in it. But if you look back, it has looked different really every single year. Yeah. Uh, even this King Heroes Journey podcast and, and having a King Hero side to my business, I would never have predicted. I worked for women for 15 years, almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, I thought that was more aligned with my purpose for one reason or another. And then I had a series of events. I lost my father. I woke up to a lot of the madness that's going on on this earth. And mm-hmm. it brought King Heroes forward all of a sudden. They, they, uh, men were hiring me and uh, knowing I could help them after healing a great deal at the level of the, the inner masculine. And then here I am. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot, lot about purpose that can't be predicted. It just all of a sudden it's, it lands in your world and there you are. The key is to know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Recognize so, it and, move, and go with it. How, how do you recognize it? Well, you take opportunities where you can. And, and for me, I assess each opportunity prayerfully and carefully. Um, I discuss it with my, my wife and my family. Sometimes it happens so fast that I... Um, that I don't get necessarily all those opportunities to do that for the checks and balances, mm-hmm. but you kind of get instincts as you go through this, you, you know, times where you missed out on opportunities and it shows you that, well, maybe, you know, that was a metric that I could have used to have made a decision quicker or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and some things are just, thrust upon you like um with my farming accident there was no way that i could you know predicted that but what i did shortly afterwards was i i said to myself okay i can be sad about the situation i can be mad all these different things but that's not going to help me right now mm-hmm. i have to look at what can i do with what i have where can I go from now? Where do I want, what's, what's the direction that I want to take? And that's when I started analyzing what my skill set, reanalyzing what my skill sets were and assessing, okay, is this something I want to do? Like when I had the farming accident, I was half in, half out. I was still half doing the commercial farm outside the city and half here in the city with my vertical farm. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had to make the decision, do I want to go into this full time? Do I want to pivot from this half in, half out to all in? Or do I want to do something else? Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, really, I probably should have rested <laughs> because of you know the severity of my accident. But... Right. That's not. That's just not who I am. Um, mm-hmm. If you ask my wife, you know, like, what's it like to live with me? 
I, I work, I work hard. Uh, I try to do the best I can with what I have. And, and uh, sometimes like recent, that means that when I get home, I sometimes can't walk. Um, mm. I, I can't sleep. I'm in constant pain. Um, and that's just, I, I'm not the kind of a person that can just sit still. Um, I'm the kind of person that is always reinventing myself for my situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's very classic for the, the archetype of the King hero. I, I work with archetypes in my business. I, I read them and I help people to see that part of themselves that maybe can be invisible and uh, that is actually one of the shadows of that king archetype that it's difficult to rest that uh, you know the, because the work that they face is often insurmountable it never ends you, you never get to go to bed feeling like your job is done right yeah yeah, yeah. there's always something and, more <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so I draw lines in the sand and I just say oh we're going away now and I'm going to book off everything in my world and I'm just going to do that and, and make that happen because otherwise there will never actually come a time when it's, oh, right, this is a good time for rest. Like, no. <laughs> and then still I take my computer away and uh, end up doing all kinds of work while I'm supposedly on holidays. So oh, that's, it? that's where I have my wife. Uh, she definitely helps me with that where she keeps me accountable where you know, like I, I grew up in the mentality that when you, the, the man is supposed to work, work hard, yeah. and that's all that he's supposed to do. There is no rest, no yeah. time for rest. Yeah. And my wife comes from a mentality with her family where no, that's not the case. And she grew up more balanced. And since I've been with my, my current wife, she, has definitely um, forced me sometimes uh, against my will to relax and, you know, to set time aside for family that I otherwise would neglect. Mm -hmm. um, so I can definitely understand that. And, and it's weird, like um, at night when I'm at home, whatnot, she realizes like I'm always on my phone or I'm always doing something. And I, I explained it to her that I have this insatiable need for knowledge mm -hmm. that I always have to be learning something or doing something. And whether it be news, whether it be, you know, like um, on the skill set that I'm focusing on or the problem that I have or a new opportunity that's presented itself you know, researching it, um, you know, drafting up business plans and all that stuff, right? Numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I always have my, my mind occupied. And, and part of that is ADD and stuff like that too. But mm -hmm. um, that's just who I am as a person is like this, uh, quite frankly, it's this insatiable need, like um, almost an addiction where I have to have knowledge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. In my world, that, um, that's the lover archetype who oh. has that, uh, that constant search for truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
so speaking of archetypes, one of the themes that I love to cover is the last thing we can talk about in this interview is the masculine and the feminine archetypes. And you've been weaving throughout the interview now stories about how your wife maybe balances you out when you're talking about not being able to rest and she brings you back home with that. How do you see, first of all, when you look out in the world, what's happening with men and women and, and masculine energy? Uh, again, one of the inspirations for me to do this in the first place is because I've noticed a disappearing of strong men. And myself, I grew up as a feminist, so much so that I owned it, like I invented that movement. And it wasn't until I lost my father and really worked through the masculine archetype that I saw what a, a sham it is, actually, and that it's been bringing a lot more harm to the world than good. Not to say everything is all bad or every feminist is bad, just that as a whole, that's been my, my findings. So what do you notice about it? Well, it can be a very dangerous question. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> um, a very loaded question, but uh, the way that I, I see it, my wife compliments me in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. um, behind every good man, strong man is a strong woman, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate that I agree that there has been a disappearance of strong uh, good you know, role models in the world. Uh, and when I've talked with other men about the issues, they're afraid. They're afraid to, to take that leap to be recognized, to be, to stand out from the crowd. Um, like uh, a fast and furious quote. Uh, that's actually a Japanese quote. The, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. Mm. and I definitely feel that that is the mentality that we live in right now where men are relegated to a very um, small part of society and looked down upon mm -hmm. um, that it leaves very little opportunity for men to to step up and uh, be noticed or to take on these roles. Men are afraid to mentor. Men are afraid to do anything because of persecution or possible persecution, paralyzed. Yeah. Like in Wall Street, when um, the managers in these big firms that are male, they refuse to take on female co-workers as mentees because of the fear that they themselves know that they will not put themselves into position, but even just the sheer suggestion of something of the, of the sort can lead to the immediate termination of their career, mm. whether it be true or not. So yeah. I, men are extremely hesitant and careful to to show or to step up and, and to be present. Um, I, I feel that that is a real shame because we need that more than ever as a, as a healthy male role model in our societies. And my wife has really helped me with trying to be that for my, my young daughter. Um, 
being a, a positive male role model because if I'm not that presence in her life, she will end up looking for that in all the wrong places. I won't be able to model that for her otherwise. And right. that would lead to disastrous effects. And I definitely feel that men are chastised for just wanting to be guys, like for going out and spending time like uh, camping or whatnot, or, you know, like anything that's typical stereotypical male role models or uh, roles, mm -hmm. they're chastised for doing whatever. There's no right way of doing things in society for men. And all you have to do is look to any of the sitcoms or any of the cartoons and the person that's always the butt end of the joke or the, the person that is um, uh, the, the villain is usually a man uh, within the relationship or within the, the series and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, more and more Hollywood is uh, actually bastardizing, taking taking what was a masculine hero and uh, and feminizing them. And and where it was uh, pointed out to me in the last interview I did with Crow and Jason from Crow Triple Seven Radio, how it's not the hero's journey anymore. It's the, the the male hero used to have to go through all of the normal, you know, major hurdles they had to overcome and they had to die and, and resurrect from the dead and bring back the elixir to the people like the, the whole hero's journey that we're, we're all on. And now they're depicting these, these female so-called heroines, but really they don't have to do anything to get to the, their position. So it becomes this one dimensional depiction of, of this supposed powerful feminine, but really it's just a big sham that's extremely misleading to, you know, that's no model to anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, it dilutes, it dilutes everything. Exactly. It doesn't serve men and it for sure doesn't serve women, although it appears to be about women's empowerment, but that's just a, a load of malarkey as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, uh, there's, there's a lot to that. Yes. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, needless to say, the feminists don't love me that much anymore. But uh, the truth is the truth. So when I saw it, I had to come clean. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me for this interview. The very last thing, if you're, if you're up for it, is what advice would you give to those young king heroes in the making, maybe young farmers in the making too, because it's just such a, a badly needed profession that's becoming more popular by the day. No doubt you're noticing people are getting more and more interested in growing food. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, what advice would you give them? What, what do you also see in terms of from your perspective being so unique, what is happening right now in this current day with uh, the shutdowns and, and the, um, you know, isolation and this whole um, so-called pandemic? Thing, if I go off well, on a limb there. Yeah, um, all you have to do is look back to the fall of Rome. Mm -hmm. um, what happened then is very similar to what is happening now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the same economic and political issues are coming up. Rome fell because of division within mm -hmm. politics between the East and the West, uh, within the governance. Uh, 
you can argue that Republican versus Democrat and the partisan uh, differences. Um, the economic, um, the dollar that is falling to near worthlessness Mm -hmm. and an empire that is trying to retain onto its sole status. Um, And that is what described Rome and describes our current political and economic climate as it is today. Um, Although at the same time as it may seem bleak, I see this time as a time of opportunity. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because ways of old, of decades and decades, are changing now. We are in the midst of a major change. And within that change comes opportunity for new ventures, for new ways of doing things, for changing the guard, so to speak, for people to realize on opportunities that otherwise would not be afforded to them. Although it is a really bad climate for many, um, it's like one man's garbage is another man's treasure, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as for advice for young entrepreneurs, young kingsmen, uh, my advice would be stay strong in your faith as that is your fallback when times get hard. Support yourself with a network of family that you can depend upon. And when the times get tough, take it one step at a time. One step at a time. You know, breathe, breathe it out. Focus on one issue. If, you, if you're overwhelmed with the amount of things that you need to do, stop, focus on one issue, complete it, move on to the next. And all of a sudden now, you've done half the work by the time that you realize it, and you realize, oh, I can do the rest. And for young farmers to continue the strong work ethic to realize on opportunities that are being afforded to them and to mitigate the liabilities that they have control over. They don't have control over the markets. They don't have control over the weather, but there are things that they can do in their life that will help them when they're reacting to those situations so it doesn't further compound the problem like equipment um an hour down and the most crucial time is an hour lost and that could be the difference between making a successful season and a bad season and if you can work on your equipment and be prepared before going into your season, knowing that you have done everything you can, all the maintenance that you possibly, within reason, can do to ensure that your equipment is reliable for when the time comes that you need it most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a good metaphor too, 
right? When it comes to the equipment out there and, uh, and the infrastructure you build inside for the hard times, that's the, the warrior side of that King hero being the one who prepares for an eventuality that may never come and hopefully doesn't come. But if it does, then there you are prepared. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been a really beautiful interview. I can't thank you enough for joining me. It's so enlightening. Um, you have a lot of depth and think, you know, lots to offer. I hope that at some point in your life you, you are a mentor or maybe you already have sights on that. How do people take you up? First of all, I just want to make sure that everybody in the Manitoba area who is tuning in with this podcast knows that Joel is creating the most delicious microgreens. <laughs> and like I said, I could not be more fortunate than, than being the next door neighbor. That, that, by the way, I just wanted to say was uh, how I f- ended up finding you. I may have never found you because I go, I went to that cafe pr- practically every day, but I didn't <laughs> tune in. I didn't tune in with, uh, you know, I didn't know your name. I didn't associate it with anything. And well, I was out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just literally out for a walk, holding my head, watching what was going on in the world, knowing that food was paramount in terms of things to start to really consider, you know, how are we going to be handling this? And I met somebody in the path that runs all the community gardens around here. And for the first time, I decided to stop and have a conversation with him. And he mentioned you and your location. And I'm like, what? So it was, it was really born of that, just holding my hands up and going, okay, God, what's next here? How is this next part of the chapter going to, going to be taken care of? And, uh, and then next thing, you know, I get access to all this beautiful, luscious food every, every week I've been coming to you and grabbing a whole new um, collection of different kinds of greens, so much variety. I've been dehydrating (laughs) them, creating powders for myself. And just enjoying eating. My kid is enjoying eating them. And then, hey, if, if things really fall down and we don't get the trucks from Mexico anymore, this is not just like a good substitute. This is, this is excellent, high-quality food. And I know you take a lot of care with your seeds and your soil and all your growing process. It's actually better than organic. So please do take Joel up. I'll, I'll just uh, say on your behalf right now, if that's all right, that oh, yeah. uh, he's offered to, to make a delivery uh, so that you can sample and you, ha- you can have a sense of what the, the quality of the product is and he'll mm-hmm. bring it to your door, uh, no charge. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll bring you a package, a free product, uh, free delivery anywhere within the city of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And uh, this offer extends for the next several weeks. Um, I'm putting together, upon request, from a few people, I'm putting together a CSA that people can sign up on, so that um, you know, like they can say, you know, I want to join this program and know that every week they they get a delivery or they can pick up uh, deliver pick up a package of uh, greens. Um, there's lots that's going on here at Fresh Forage with um, I expanding into the herbs, uh, mature herbs. I actually planted a thousand seedlings uh, or seeds of uh, basil and and some lettuce that Mm. in a few weeks um, will be available. Um, And uh, yeah, oh, it's, uh, 
it's it's interesting, uh, and I don't, I don't blame you for not knowing where I was because uh, for the longest time I was that hole in the wall uh, um, because I didn't have any signage. Uh, we just got the windows into my stairwell here, but if you didn't know where I was, you wouldn't know I was here. And for the longest time, I was doing deals outside the back door, so I'd literally be handing somebody a bag of greens, and they'd be handing me cash, and it looked like this awful drug deal, and it was just so <laughs> sketchy. So sketchy, but for the chefs that were in the city, that were in the know, they're like, hey, this guy, he's a hole in the wall. You wouldn't know where he is, but this is where he's at, he's at and you know, you should go check him out kind of thing, right? So mm -hmm. it was it was really a funny kind of it became that exclusivity of you know if you were in the know you had you know access to good product right so mm -hmm. it was, and that's it was a great fun. and that's a great point uh, sorry to interrupt but I just want to let you know that the for the listeners out there that the the gourmet restaurants are the big consumers of these microgreens because they literally are a gourmet a part of your meal they're tender they're delicious they're as fresh as fresh can get. And then on top of it, they're just jam-packed with the nutrients. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so my 30-second elevator pitch is um, they are 40 times more dense in nutrients per ounce. So that's equivalent to, say, one ounce of broccoli microgreens is equal to eating a pound and a half or three heads of broccoli. Wow. Um, they taste much like mature plant. If I let them continue to grow, they would turn into the mature plant. They have... a punch of flavor all the flavor is in the stems where the juices are and it's just super tasty you don't need very much of it to get that fullness and flavor um so that's why a lot of restaurants especially the higher end ones love using these microgreens because not only is it nutritious but for a small plate when they're trying to make it look very appetizing and um gourmet high-end um, they're able to accomplish a lot with a very small package, right? So mm -hmm. they really love that. And people that are really into nutrition love them because they can add so many, so much nutrients to their diet without really changing a whole lot. They can add it to their, their salads, their smoothies, to sandwiches. You can put them in soups, all sorts of different ways that you can cook with them. And, um, People absolutely love them. And so I supply chefs, restaurants, caterers. I supply to direct to people. I was doing St. Norbert's Farmer's Market. Unfortunately, I won't be doing St. Norbert's this year um, due to health concerns and, and stuff that will be going on this summer. But uh, my products are available at Red River Co-op uh, in the grocery um, area beside the herbs. Um, and there are many, many different ways that you can contact me through my website, freshforge.ca, and uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the works. Uh, it's really easy to, to get a hold of me and through my website. So. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. I highly recommend you take Joel up on his offer. You can reach out to me. What's the best way for them to, to just leave you a note at your website if they want to take you up on your offer? Yeah, to, uh, go to my website, uh, www.freshforge.ca, or you can email me directly at joel, J-O-E-L, at freshforge.ca, and just uh, mention that you heard it on uh, this podcast, and uh, I'll be more than happy to uh, drop it off. I'm all about trying to help people eat healthy in this time and uh, show them 
the various ways and how they can still access um, uh, really high quality produce, especially during this you know, troubling time. Mm -hmm. And it's super affordable, just in case anybody yeah. thinks it's expensive, it's not. Yes, it's, uh, I, try to, I try very hard. Uh, so like when I made my switch from fluorescence uh, to LEDs, first thing that I did after I completed that huge mammoth task was I dropped my price, uh, both living and cut green, so that my customers, would, I could pass on those savings to my customers. Because uh, it's all about that. I, I want to provide a quality product and, it, and my business does not survive without the support of my customers. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I'm proud to be among them. Thank you so much, Joel, for joining me for this talk. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. And thank you to the audience who takes the time out because I know there's a lot of draws on your attention. So I'm honored that you give this your, the time of day and are part of helping strong men be stronger. And, uh, you know, if you're a woman out there listening to this, I know it gives me a great deal <clears throat> of comfort and confidence to know that there are the leaders out there who are stepping out and doing things that are difficult and sometimes even not appreciated or even outright unpopular. If you would like to find out where you are on the path of purpose, that's the subject that I work with as a business coach, as an archetype coach and also a purpose coach to help people find out what it is that they are meant to do, that it's not necessarily the thing that you're doing, it's the blueprint that you have, this person that you are, that our society doesn't really encourage you to do that because it equals your freedom. And you'll answer to your purpose and to God rather than any authorities out there. So, you can take a 10-minute quiz and find out where you are, either on the King Hero's journey or what I call the Merpreneur's journey for the women in my zone. Uh, I also have just published my book called Journey. It's a map of lost archetypes to find purpose in a sea of meaninglessness. And so you can join that, uh, purchase that book. I've got amazing reviews on it. So far, just got another one today. And finally, there are a number of programs and ways to work with me one-on-one -on -one as a coach. If you'd like to sign up to do a zero-cost session with me, all you have to do is take the quiz at my website, bethmartins.com. It'll give you a form to fill out to apply to work with me in one of these sessions. And I'm sorry I can't offer every single person who applies one, but uh, do fill out the form right away if you'd like to join me and see what it would, could be like for you to step through more powerful doors in your life. Thank you once again. My name is Beth Martins, signing off for the King Heroes Journey podcast for now. Bye, everyone. May the long time sunshine upon you. 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 And may the long time sunshine upon you. Oh.
Oh.